One day a minister was working in his office when his secretary called on the phone saying, there's someone here to see you. And their tone of voice and the phrasing was code for don't ask. Ah, well, the minister said, send them in. Anyway, the secretary escorted in a six-year-old girl, all dressed up for the occasion, and she was a daughter of church members. The minister thought he knew how to handle children, so he squatted down and put his hand on his shoulder and said, Hello, I'm so glad to see you. How can I help you today? And so with quite a serious uh, sort of look on her face, as six-year-olds do, she said, What are we going to eat when we get to heaven? Well, nothing in the minister's theological background had prepared him for this question. His mind scrambled for an appropriate scripture verse, and he thought he grasped something, and he thought, I'll go with this. And this is what he said. Here on earth we have physical bodies, and God gives us physical food. When we get to heaven, we're going to have spiritual bodies, and God will give us spiritual food. Thank you, she said, and promptly left the office. On the way out, she stopped at the secretary's desk and said, he doesn't know either. <laughs> so what do we know about what happens when we die and the afterlife? Let's pray before we explore what the Bible says. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for being here today to celebrate Neil's life. And we, knew that, we know that your word, the Bible, was very precious to him. And so... We pray, Lord, to honour his memory, Lord, that we may hear these words afresh by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, what do we know about when we die and the afterlife? Now, this question is asked by every culture and every generation, stretching back past recorded history to the time of oral traditions and myth. It's part of the human condition to yearn for clarity about what happens after we die. For there's a sense in each of us that death is not the end. Now, wouldn't it be great if we had an eyewitness, someone who had died and come back and say, well, this is what it's like. That would be incredibly helpful, wouldn't it? And in that context, some of you have heard of near-death experiences, I'm sure, where people have died for a short period of time and then are brought back to life. Maybe it's in the hospital or someone's collapsed on the street and a passerby has given them CPR. Oh, I'm sure you've heard of these stories, but, but are they reliable? After hearing first-hand accounts from patients, a cardiologist in the States decided to do a study with colleagues, and they interviewed over 300 people who claimed to have near-death experiences. Now, what made their study different from the other study was that their interviews were conducted not months or years after the event, but immediately after the experience had occurred while the patients were still sort of caught up in the immediacy of the moment. Now, many accounts described experiences of light and peace. However, a good proportion, a surprising portion, described a darker picture when they crossed to the other side, reporting images of fire and torment. And here's the thing. In follow-up interviews much later, many of these people who had had a darker experience had changed their stories. Apparently, they were unwilling to admit to their families, or maybe even themselves, that they had caught a glimpse of something most unpleasant, evening frightening, on the other side. Now, the lead doctor, Dr. Rawlings, has written a book about this, and he concluded in an interview, he said that, just listening to these patients has changed my life. My life, he said. <clears throat> there is life after death, 
And if I don't know where I'm going, it's not safe to die. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, until I'd read this article, I'd only heard of these near-death experiences of being positive, of people going to see the light and warmth and not wanting to come back. It's a little bit disturbing to know that some of those experiences were very different. And that, for us, is where the Bible kicks in. What does the Bible tell us about heaven? Uh, we may, know, may not know what we're going to eat when we get to heaven, but the Bible does tell us a lot and gives us an eyewitness account of someone who died and came back from the grave. So we'll turn to that passage, <coughs> that wonderful passage, Psalm 23. And how does Psalm 23 describe dying and the afterlife? And we'll start with verse 1, which sets the scene. Verse 1. You just flick that first slide, that'll be great. There we go. It's a bit of technical problem. Maybe we'll just leave that and keep going. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside green water or quiet waters. Here we have God portrayed as a shepherd. Now, the Bible describes God in various ways. The Bible describes God sometimes as a king, as a judge, as a creator, as the heavenly father. However, for Psalm 23, God is described as a shepherd. Now, when this psalm was written uh, some 3,000 years ago, shepherds were very different than modern New Zealand shepherds. Because there were no fences, the shepherds spent a lot more time with their sheep. Flocks were a lot smaller just enough so that one person could manage, maybe 30, 50 strong. Because there were no sheepdogs to herd and to round up the sheep, the shepherd knew each sheep by name, and when he called, the sheep would come. So when Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, there is a sense that we are his sheep, and we are known by name and can respond to when he calls. Now, this has um, many benefits in our life because we see this in verse 2 to 3, having the Lord as our shepherd. Uh, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness. He guides me in the, the right ways for his name's sake. And from my experience, I can say it's wonderful to have this experience with the great and the good shepherd. He guides me in the ways that I should go. However, it's the next verse that addresses our question about death and dying. Verse 4, probably the most well-known verse in Psalm 23. See how this addresses dying. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And this verse is a bit of a good news and bad news sort of verse. First, the bad news. Uh, death is described as a dark place where evil lurks, a place that we cannot negotiate safely alone. That's what the Bible says about death. That's the bad news. The good news, the wonderful news, is that we have a shepherd who will walk with us safely through the valley of death if we ask him, this is the good news of the gospel. It's great news. Now, Psalm 23 doesn't just describe dying, but also what's on the other side. It catches a glimpse of the afterlife. So once the shepherd has led us through, what awaits? And we have verse 5. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And there's that food question again. Because the afterlife here, we're told, is described as a great banquet celebrated in the house of the Lord forever. That is what waits those who go through the valley of the shadow of death with the great and the good shepherd. Now you might be sitting there and say, well, this is all just hearsay, really. And I would say, fair enough, that's a good question, a good opposition to have. You may stick to your guns and say, it would be much better to have someone die and come back to tell us if Psalm 23 is correct. And I agree 100%. And you know why? It's because someone did die and come back and tell us that Psalm 23 is what it's like. And you may ask, who is this? And for the answer is Jesus Christ himself. You see, some 1,000 years after the psalm was written, Jesus came and he said these words. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So Jesus, God's one and only son, the great and the good shepherd, he laid down his life. And why would he do that? So that he could walk us safely through the valley of the shadow of death, so that he could walk us through to the great banquet, the great party, the great celebration in the house of God. See, this is a difficulty with the human condition. Our default is defiant independence from God. We're all born that way, defiant independence from God. And the cost of our rebellion is that when we breathe our last and we enter the valley of the shadow of death, we are by ourselves and there is much evil and darkness and much to fear. And without the good shepherd to guide us, we don't get out. However, on that first Good Friday, when Jesus breathed his last, he went into the valley of the shadow of death on our behalf. And he came through the valley of the shadow of death and on the third day was raised again on that first Easter Sunday. Why? So that when we breathe our last, we do not have to face that dark valley by ourselves. We can ask Jesus, the great good shepherd, to guide us through to the other side. And this is the offer that Neil has taken up. For when Neil breathed his last, he met his good shepherd. And Jesus walked Neil through the valley of the shadow of death where no evil touched him. And now Neil is on the other side enjoying the banquet table prepared for him. I wonder what he's eating. I'm sure it would be wonderful. And this is a choice that we are left with, we who are on this side of the grave. We can continue in our independent, defiant ways and turn our back on God. However, the Bible is clear. If we continue in these ways, when we breathe our last, we will have to face the valley of the shadow of death alone. And it will be grim. Or, like Neil, we can ask the great and the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, to be our Lord, which means following him now. And also, when we come to breathe our last, knowing that we, he will be with us to take us through that dark valley. We will not have to face death alone. Blessed are those who face the gates of death without fear 
because Jesus, the good shepherd, is with them. Let's pray.